podcast is about being excited and gripped by life. And I couldn't be more excited to share someone who identified that what they were doing wasn't working, they weren't working up excited, they weren't passionate about the contribution that they were making in the world. And so they decided to make a change, to jump ship, to do something different, and they have found a calling. And you'll be able to see that throughout the interview of how passionate they are, how motivated and excited they are about making a difference in the world. Uh, and this individual is doing that in the realm of real estate investing. He went from zero dollars of savings to over a million dollars of managed real estate in the last 10 months. I'm excited to share that story with you so you can see yourself inside of his story of what's possible for you. Maybe it's not a real estate, but if you're not doing what you're excited about right now, then remember that we can fail at shit we don't love. So we might as well try to fail at something we do love. And I don't think Mr. Tyler Sellers will fail I think he will do uh, incredible things and excited for you to hear his story. This is Gripped. Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on. And we talked a little bit before this podcast started, we started recording. You talked a little bit about being in a job that you didn't like for three months and then leaving. And this podcast, the entire theme is about being gripped, being gripped by what you do, being in action, being engaged with life. And tell me a little bit about what it felt like to be in a job that you didn't really like. And then how do you actually leave that and, and jump ship? Because there's a lot of people that are doing things that they don't want to do and they are waking up and they are not excited with life and they should be making decisions like that to find something that they're excited about because you can fail at shit that you don't even love. So you might as well fail at shit that you do love. So I'm wondering how did you actually make that call? Yeah, that's super exciting to hear because um, it's a great question because it wasn't that easy for me. To be honest, it was three months into this job. I had just got my first career. I'm out of university, no experience. Everyone's asking for three plus years of experience just to hire a coordinator. So, you know, I jump into this job as a coordinator with no experience. Everyone's saying how lucky I am to be in this job, making $38,000 a year for this great company. And I'm thinking like, oh, okay, I'm really lucky. I'm really lucky, but I, like, I can't pay the bills. Like how, how do people do it? How do they, how do they go from nine to five every day have no time basically at night to do the things that they really love to do, wake up exhausted and then do it again. It's just, it was just this mental game where I was playing in my mind all the time asking myself, what am I doing wrong that everyone else is doing right? Because they must be doing it right. Meanwhile, here I am struggling every day thinking this sucks. I, I'm not enjoying my work to be fair too, to the company. Like, they were moving really slow and they knew it and they didn't want to move that slow either, but they were kind of stuck between a hard place and a rock. So, you know, the decision was the right one for me because I moved into a fast paced tech company, um, startup too. So it was like really fast paced yet. Keep in mind that it wasn't that easy. I, I was technically lucky according to everyone. So, um, moving out, 
of the company, I was very nervous. Um, yet I knew that the new company was promising me $2,000 more a year. So I was so excited to make $40,000 a year instead of that mere 38. So, I mean, like, you know, if you get a, a raise that brings suspicions a little lower. Um, but uh, yeah, you're totally right. Like I was not gripped. And that's why I am where I am today is because I, I, I was never really gripped into something. It's hilarious, man. One of my old bosses told me that I never had the grit to, to do this. And that devastated me because like I had so many failures in my life up to that that I thought I was a failure. So hearing that from a boss saying that I had no grit, I was like, maybe I don't have any grit. That sucks. I, I'm a person that believes that I want to do great things. And in order to achieve great things, you need grit. Well, yeah, here I am. So uh, like, it's really cool to look back now and be like, ha, but then it devastated me. Like it crushed me for, for a good time. So yeah, like I love sharing on my Facebook now and saying things that like, I never would have thought I could have achieved and wanting to help other people achieve too because they might be stuck in the same place that I was once upon a time or being told the same things that I was too. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that, especially considering people are telling you in your life how lucky you really are to be in the position you're at and going against the grain in that situation can be extremely challenging, but obviously you went with your gut. It turned out to be in your favor and we're going to get a little bit too from, you know, that career change of, not being in a place where you engage with your work to doing something that you absolutely love or now are an advocate for. We're going to get there uh, in the, in the, in the intermediate step. I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how we know each other because we met through venture for Canada. I remember being in Kingston on the water, the sun shining. It's the middle of the afternoon, like two, 3 PM. And we're stand up paddle boarding. And like, I remember like you and I, we, we didn't know who, we, who we, each other were. Um, I saw you as this like, very confident, very charismatic, high energy, easy to get along with kind of guy that was like working the room when I saw you in the room. But now it was just you and I together on the stand-up paddleboard and you were extremely vulnerable with me. I remember you sharing information about, you know, your relationships and some of the, the trials and tribulations you went through. So, you know, that's how we first met. That was back in 2017. And this isn't our first kind of personal development work together. We did an interview back in 2017. That was about a profile of a champion. And when I saw you, I really felt like you had that burning desire and you told a story of, you know, your parents and the 2008 financial crisis. I wanted to ask you, you know, over the last two years, do you feel like you still have, you know, that burning desire that I saw originally? Is that, you know, is that stoked even more than before or where do you feel like you're at with uh, your, your desire to win in life? So back then my fire came from a place to, prove to others that I did have something else. Like I told you, I had so many failures before all of this that I genuinely thought like I was a ruin. Like I, I had the confidence, I had the charisma, um, but I had nothing else. Like that was, that was pretty much it. So if that's all you are, that's a lonely place to be. And, uh, and yeah, so I was trying to prove to everyone else and myself that I was something. Um, so that's where that fire came from. And now it's a genuine fire. Like it's a really cool place to be now where I, I have nothing to prove to anyone anymore. 
I am just solely proving to myself that like I can I can be on my own like I can I can sustain myself I can um, do what I want with my time now I'm financially free but also like mentally free um, that's a huge one so you know the the fire that you saw two years ago is a completely different fire now that was kind of burned by um, it was burning through you know added oils and you know those kind of acronyms like those kind of uh, analogies like I hear you, yeah. it, it wasn't a natural flame it was uh, very much flamed by something else like other opinions nowadays it's myself it's just naturally there um, and it's because I'm working on something that I'm very passionate about I know about like I'm confident that I I am an expert in this now whereas before if I could be an expert it was like not true I love that. It's being able to have the self-awareness to know that what's fueling me right now is the outside world and like opinions of others and what they think of me and trying to look good. That's what's getting me to to move versus like being grounded, knowing I'm good and like internally driving to um, you know, be consistent with the man that you want to be. And one thing I'm hearing from you is you're a self-sufficient man, which is something that I'm working very hard um, and I'm, I don't give myself enough credit for sometimes, but I can, I can see that in you. And I think that's the direction really that I'd love to take today's conversation. There is a lot of things that make someone self-sufficient. There's their physical health, there's emotional health, their, their financial health. And I really think that's where we'll spend most of today's episode is talking about finances, investing, millennial finances. And I think it is a great umbrella because finances is one of the major sources of stress in people's life and people's mental health can deteriorate and they can struggle tremendously because of going through financial stressors. So I'd love to talk a little bit about, you know, for the, the people that are listening, um, you know, you're a little bit of a, a real estate expert at this point, but where did your interest in finance start? And then, you know, if you were to give me the skinny on what you know about investing or what you know about finance, like the, what's the 20% that's going to give us the most important information about finance, especially for young people. Let's try to, you know, you and I are in our twenties, you know, there's uh, the, the age category for this podcast is about 17 to 35. So we can kind of focus there. I know that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of questions there, but really about finance. No, I, yeah, I know. I know exactly where we're going with this. So let me let me take it from here so um let's start with the 20 percent because i can answer that really quick the 20 percent that you need to know like the stuff that you need to work on right now is understanding your magic number that's your financial freedom number that means how much money do you need to be making a month to be able to walk away from your bosses walk away from your job and start spending that 40 hours a week on yourself and the stuff that you want to do every week if you can figure out that number, you can start visualizing how many properties you need to buy or how many stocks you need to buy in this company or, or whatever it is in order to achieve that. If that's what you want to genuinely achieve is financial freedom and work either for yourself, um, if that's like owning a company of your own. For me, I didn't really want to own a company that I needed to put 80 hour work weeks in. I wanted something a little bit more passive. And so real estate was my vehicle for that. And I was all about cash flow, so I invested into areas of cash flow instead of um, speculation. Now, 
to answer where the financial thing came from in my head, um, I talked a little bit about this in, in other places, including your last interview with me. Um, but in 2008, my father pretty much lost everything. Uh, he lost his business and he lost all of his real estate um, or like some of his holdings in that. Uh, he lost a lot. And so we went from, and just to be candid, like we went from a very lavish lifestyle, um, traveling kind of all around the world and not really worrying about bills and all those kind of things, being very self-sufficient um, as a family and living, living like it as well, to then going from, going to worrying about how much the grocery bill was this time and um, refinancing on the house because we needed the cash and just stuff like that. So uh, very stressful time as someone that was in there, like, I think I was 14, 15. So I was just hitting an age where I was like understanding bigger things at that point. Um, and anyway, that was the age that I started understanding bigger things. I've noticed like colleagues of mine and friends of mine that have <laughs> achieved it much faster than me. But uh, at 15, I was like starting to question a little bit more. And uh, this money that was coming in now wasn't. And it hit me like a rock. Um, I was living in a basement. Um, yeah, this is a little, this is a little weird to share because I don't think I've shared this before. But my basement room... I decided to move into the basement and uh, to this day, it's still like molded. Like the whole basement was full of mold. Um, and there were um, like ticks uh, running around the, the carpet because my dogs would come in from the woods or whatever. And it just wasn't cared for. Like things started dropping off pretty quick. Lifestyle changed quickly. Um, and I remember when I got my laptop, I was like, I need to make money. I need this money. I need to get, out of this lifestyle, like some, something needs to change. Um, and so, you know, that was, that was my parents' lifestyle. Um, but because I was 15, I, I needed to live in that as well. And I kind of decided like, as soon as I'm 18, I'm, I'm trying to figure my stuff out. Um, so I started selling on like eBay and, you know, my story goes kind of all over the place, but it was just basically in the search of money. Uh, wherever I could find it, I'd try to get it just to have a better lifestyle. Um, and then that led me to financial, uh, you know, personal finance and understanding credit cards and debts and line of credits and, um, you know, credit scores. And, and then that led me to real estate and cash flow. Got it. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of financial literacy that's almost needed as a foundation for some of this conversation. Like things like you had mentioned understanding what good debt might look like um, and cash flow being really important. I appreciate you sharing the, the story there because, you know, one of my favorite quotes is always, you know, uh, it's a Jim Rohn quote and he talks about how until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, you'll never change. And so obviously you're in this dire situation where, you know, very deservingly, you were in a place of privilege because your dad worked so hard and he built these companies. But now you're seeing the exact contrast of this of like, holy shit, what does life look like on the other side? And now you want to get out of it. So I could see where that burning desire may have come from originally. And you know, I'll share personally, when I started working full time in my, my real first career at 21, I was a lifeguard prior and I saved a bunch of money. But the only thing that I cared about was cash flow. It was like how much money comes in every month and how much money leaves. 
And that's how I was able to put myself in a position to have savings. Now, did I invest that as wisely as I could have? Probably not. And that's something that I'm still working on. And that's why we're having this conversation. So for someone that's like not even in a position to invest, because we're talking about you who went from zero dollars of savings to over a million dollars of managed real estate. Right? Maybe, maybe you have more specifics around that you could share. But for someone that isn't even in a position to invest, let's say they're just starting out, maybe they're just starting their first career, they're starting to get their first paychecks. What are some of the things that they can do to put themselves in a position to win financially? Mm -hmm. So first you'd have to decide on what it looks like for you. For you, for example, um, you invested in index funds. I didn't have the patience for index funds. Um, for other people, it's I have this great company idea and I want to see it through. I didn't have the patience for that. Um, I Maybe I did have the patience. I'd say I had the patience. I didn't have the, um, the time. Like I couldn't stick with the lifestyle that I had for that long. Um, and maybe that is a little bit of patience. I don't know. I haven't really thought over that in a long time, but for me, for you, it was index funds. For me, it was real estate. And real estate was my vehicle because of the cash flow. The cash flow was substantial for the amount of money that you were putting in. And I couldn't see that in index funds or um, a lot of the stock options that were available. Something that was really funny to me when I was first getting started is like, you could invest $1,000 into real estate and someday you'll see that $1,000 come back. Either selling the wood that the land like when the property comes down, you can sell the wood for firewood. You could, you know, do anything. You'll find a thousand dollars, but with stocks, you put in a thousand dollars into stocks and it'll go to zero um, without warning you basically. Um, and you have nothing to do with it. Like you, you have no control. Um, so, I mean, if you invested $10 million into that company, maybe you'd have a seat, but I didn't have that amount of money. So I was like, well, what can I do? have control over my finances and get there. So like you said, I went from literally $0 in savings. I remember telling my girlfriend, like, I am stressed, not because I don't make enough money, but because I'm not saving enough money. I'm not saving anything. Mm -hmm. um, everything's going out to other things, other people. And it, nothing's coming back to me. I see nothing of it after a while. I'm just surviving. I'm not actually living. And so the the burden of not saving was like pretty substantial. And I just couldn't figure out how to get my uh, expenses down low enough so that the, the cash that was coming in meant I could save, you know, a small amount. I couldn't do it. Um, and so I was like, well, what can I do to increase my income? That's the only way I can do it. Cause I can keep my expenses at the same, but I need to increase my income. Mm -hmm. And so my living expenses stayed always the same for my whole life, basically. Like as soon as I turned an adult and started making my own money, they've stayed the same. It's the operating expenses that are higher, but my, my income went through the roof in the last year um, simply because of real estate. How I did it, I went from $0 in savings to over a million dollars of real estate in 10 months because of debt. Like I just, I wasn't afraid of the debt because I knew that the debt was going to work for me. Um, if I'm taking, I've never used credit card debt. So that's like, I feel like that's kind of stupid debt. Um, but because it's really high interest. Um, but I think like one thing that you should look into if you're interested in getting started is seeing if 
friends, family, someone close is willing to invest into you and get you started. Because that's what happened to me. I had zero dollars in savings. How do you think I got started? Someone believed in me enough to give me $9,000 to put a down payment on a $165,000 home, $160,000 home or whatever it was. But it was like, you know, small home, only thing I could really afford and get approved for. And someone said like, yeah, I'll, I'll give you $9,000 as long as you pay me back at this rate and in this amount of time. And, and I was like, well, yeah. And I did that ASAP. I, you know, I, I realized quite quickly that if your family invests into you, you can get a, um, it has to be direct family, but you can get a, a note from the bank that's offering you the loan or the, the mortgage that they are going to gift you that money. And so as long as it's a gift, you're, you're golden, you're good, go for it, get your property. Um, so yeah, I, like just get started. Uh, so many people are holding themselves back because of excuses, but like if you're really driven, if you're really uh, interested in this whole game and this is something that interests you, you'll do it, you'll make it work. And uh, it's worked out really, really well for me to be able to uh, semi-retire at, at 25. So, yeah. I have a stupid amount of questions to ask you about this. Yeah. Like, we don't have enough time to get into everything that I want to know about real estate today. So I'll, I'll try to keep it um, high level as much as possible and then you know, either do a second round with you or, or do something private. But I'm wondering who planted the seed for you originally that real estate was the right option or what planted the seed for you originally? Because typically it's like an influence or a person that just like, it's that in your head and you're like, oh, I never thought about it that way. And then maybe even they guided you from there, but I'm wondering where that start. Yep. I have a very easy answer for you. A buddy of mine, his name was Adam Barrett. Um, he was a multi-unit investor, but also a flipper at one point in time. Probably does still do a little bit of flips and not much anymore. Um, but started as a flipper, made a lot of money in flipping, started investing into multi-units, made more money. Um, and it was just fascinating to me that like one person at a young age, I think at the time when I met him, he was like 28 or 29. He can make that much money and be that lavish and be okay with it and just like live a great lifestyle. And uh, it, is, it had been something that I'd hardly ever seen in my life before. Uh, like just so cool, fascinating stuff. And it was all through real estate. Um, and at the time I met him because... I wanted to start a bar. So again, I was like searching for ideas to find money. And, uh, and I, I came up with this like pretty cool bar concept uh, that he wanted to invest in. He wanted to start up with me and partner with me. Um, so we go down to Chicago, meet the suppliers of all of our systems. And then we come back and I'm like learning throughout this whole trip about real estate and what he's done and how he's done it. And I continue to Google at night while he's sleeping or whatever. And then I'll wake up at the same time as him and ask him the questions. And like, we just start chit chatting about real estate. And I'm learning so much. Um, and I think that that's one thing that everyone should do is try to find a mentor, but don't be desperate. Like one thing that's really um, hard for a lot of mentors that are worthy of being mentors is that they're being asked to be a mentor all the time. Um, so if you find someone that has giving you a little bit of advice for free, they're probably willing to help you out a little bit more and you just keep on building. You don't call it a mentorship, you just call it friendship, right? And you just keep on asking questions whenever you have a little question. And once in a while, um, 
I mean, if you ask enough questions, you'll basically get mentored enough to buy a first property. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how the seed got started. And I think, you know, now I'm hoping to plant that seed into so many freaking people's lives, man. I just want to, I want so many people to understand the value of, of this game and what life can actually mean in a real estate environment if you're investing properly. If you were to take the accumulation of all the advice that you've gotten from the different mentors that you've had, besides understanding what your magic number is, because I totally get that, it's like, how much money do I need to make every month so that I can leave my full-time career if that's what I wanted to do and pursue, let's say as an example, public speaking full-time, or if I wanted to even go deeper into real estate as an example. What's the best piece of advice that you've gotten so far that's made the biggest impact? And I'm sure different advice at different stages, but for right now at least. Okay, so for right now, the best piece of advice was people don't go bankrupt from buying, they go bankrupt from managing. And so, perfect example, in 2008, so many people lost their homes. They didn't lose things that they didn't own, they lost things that they owned, and it destroyed them. And so now that I have things, like I own things, I need to make sure that I'm protecting myself as best as possible, so I'm now working on the management you have to keep in mind like a lot of these properties i've owned less than 10 months so i'm still working up all the kinks and um, a lot of them came with existing tenants and a lot of them were my own tenants so i'm like working out all these management things that um i i really hardly ever dealt with in my life before so really a lot of fun to deal with it but that's that was the biggest piece of advice was um, once you own something, there's a lot more at stake. It's, it's a lot harder to, uh, to, to keep them. It's really easy to make a million dollars. It's really hard to, 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 uh, to keep it. I think that ties in perfectly to my next question, because one of the, the things that attracted me most about investing in index funds is that I could, I could work hard and then I didn't have to be active. I could put my money in the index fund and then I would know over the course of the next 40, 50 years that I'd be averaging about six to 8% every single year. And then if I continue to invest every single year in my TFSA, my RSP, then I would wake up in my fifties and sixties and I'd have a couple million dollars. And that, that was what excited me about index funds is that I didn't have to manage it day to day. And there's not really a lot of headaches or expenses or things of that nature that can you know, throw a ratchet in the plan. It's like, over the course of the last 100 years, the real estate market go, or the, the index market goes up, you know, about 70% a year. So my question is, is like, you know, you talked about managing it being the challenging part. Well, what if, what if, uh, you know, the, the roof, roof leaks or the foundation breaks or all of these unexpected expenses come up? What, how do you think about managing that? And did that weigh into your decision on going real estate versus index funds, as an example? So not really. Um, and I'll tell you why I couldn't do what you're doing. Um, I didn't have the patience to deal with bosses for 50 years, um, to deal with like what to be told for 50 years, um, and told what to do. Sorry. So because I didn't have that, I knew that the writing was on the wall for me and it was just ticking down and my happiness was deteriorating because I was, telling myself like, no, I'm, I'm a great employee. Like I can be a good employee. Don't worry. I can be a great employee. Trying to convince yourself, convincing myself, you know? Um, and I just, you know, had to accept the fact that I'm probably not the greatest employee. 
that there is. Um, and that's okay. That is totally okay. That's the thing that I struggled with in my head forever. Like, why are you, you must have an attitude problem because you can't do with bosses. It's like, I don't have an attitude problem. I believe in things. Like I'm so strongly believed in, in certain things that it, and that's okay. Like I think I might know some answers that other people might not know, but I'm also willing to negotiate and like understand other people's opinions. But bosses sometimes aren't willing to listen to yours. And that was super frustrating to me. And I always said like, I'm going to be the best boss that I can be with the learnings that I'm getting from other people. And I just couldn't do what you're doing. So that's why I was kind of pushed into a corner early on. I, I did two years of working under bosses and uh, that taught me enough to say like, eh, I might need to do this on my own. Um, and I really didn't want to do the, the starting a business thing. Um, didn't want to put in the 80 hours a week um, into something that might fail. Um, so real estate was just one of those avenues that I was like, well, there's potential here and I'm pretty passionate about it <laughs> as you can tell. So, um, let's, let's try it out. And it really worked out for me, um, in the last 10, 12 months. Okay. Does someone need to quit their job in order to build a real estate portfolio? No, not at all. I did mine, um, working. I, I, I did everything while I was working. It definitely helped that I wasn't the greatest employee uh, to, to be doing my real estate investing on the side. Um, but I mean, if you want to be a great employee, you can figure it out too. You'll, you'll be fine. Um, for me, I had a property manager, so he took away a lot of the headaches that I would have had if I managed it myself. Um, and I did it all like 10 months I was working. I started a job in October 4th. I think it was October 4th. I started a job. And I closed my first property October 3rd or something like that, or one, one of that. Um, and then I bought another one in February and another one in March and two, like recently. So, you know, I did that all while I was, while I had a job and it was only recently now that I've had that now that I have five cash flowing properties that I was like, eh, I could be okay by leaving my job. And that's what I did. What do you say to the people that say um, your market's different because I can't put a $9,000 down payment on a home in the GTA. It's not going to happen. Yep. And so I have a couple questions around this idea. Like, well, okay, well, what if I want to invest in Halifax? Can I do that? Or, or, but I'm just wondering, or I'm, first of all, like I'd love to be able to put $9,000 into a down payment into a home. I could own a, I could own many homes right now. That'd be sweet. But it's, it's a little bit different from the Atlantic Canada area to what we're dealing with in the GTA. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind that $9,000 was at 5% because I was living in the property. Um, but a hundred percent, I am in a different market than you. And you know, is that something someone on Reddit was critiquing my um, achievements because I am in a different market than them. And it's one of those things where it's like, a hundred percent fair. I, I grew up in this market of Moncton. Um, and it just so turns out that the place that I grew up is this nest egg of cash flowing gold properties. And, uh, I know a lot about the area because I grew up in it, but I am living in, in Nova Scotia. So it's not that I can just, it's not that like I'm right beside the properties all the time. I'm not at all. I'm, I'm three hours away. 
I am an out of province investor. Um, so, you know, when I was living in Moncton to buy that first property, like that worked out, but I stayed there for a while in order to come back and, and invest into more. So, I mean, like out of province investing, if you're in Toronto, Vancouver, Waterloo, like the, these expensive GTA markets or um, outside of like Vancouver's crazy, man. Like that market over there is just pretty insane. Um, but there's a lot of GTA and Vancouver investors in Moncton and in Halifax. And you're, you'd be shocked by how many properties are owned by people probably that you've crossed the subway with, um, but in Moncton. And they're generating cash flow and paying for their Toronto bills because of properties in New Brunswick. So if, if that's something that interests you, this is why I've created the group, the Facebook group that we, I'm sure we'll talk about soon. Like, yeah, why don't you tell them right now? Yeah, so I have a Facebook group that's called Real Estate Investing Canada. And it's all about sharing spreadsheets, sharing discussions, sharing um, calculations or videos or inspiration, stuff like that, or questions that you might have to get to your next stage to, or to get to your first stage. And so, um, you know, we have a bunch of people in, in, in the group that are from the West, the West Coast, and they can invest into cash flowing properties just like you, Jonathan. So, um, you know, they're having a hard time to find something that, that works and they're stressing about it. Like, oh, I can't find something. I can't find something. It's like, <laughs> just look outside of your market. Uh, I have a team of property managers. I have a team of contractors. I have a team of lawyers. I have a team of realtors. I have my spreadsheets that I'm sharing on this group. Like, I'm willing to help you out. Just ask, ask for that help. But first, I guess you would need to know that there are amazing cash flowing properties in this, in this area of Canada um, that pay significantly well. Why are you so open-minded to sharing your resources? That's a good question. I, I, I'm kind of on the like Gary Vee side of things. Like, I don't think that everyone's going to, going to take me up on my offer. I hear you. Like only 5% of people are going to reach out to me and ask for help. Yeah. And um, am I willing to help out? Hell yeah. Am I willing to see them achieve things? Heck yeah. Am I willing to um, let them do better than me? Of course. They'll always be there. Like they'll know who started them or they'll know who helped them out or they'll know that I'm an ally and there's huge potential already with my Facebook group of me partnering with a bunch of people in the group um, and starting up uh, a little fund so that we can buy larger duplex or larger uh, complexes, like 12 units, uh, something around that range. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, are we, we should achieve together. There's more than enough out there for us to all achieve something. Um, and that's why I'm so willing to share is because even in the last 10 months, since I've been, sharing my successes um, and sharing what is possible. I, I'd say around 15 people in total have actually asked for help or asked to do something. So, um, and those 15 people, like I engage with them heavily um, so that I can make sure that they're, they're on track and they're going to achieve their goals. Would you say it makes sense to be an expert in only one or two different markets? Like as an example, like are there other investment opportunities in Canada that excite you as well? Or is it mainly the Halifax and Moncton areas? 
So that's a great question. It's something that I, I struggle with because of my, my like natural ego and dream. It's like, oh, I'm going to buy in as many areas that cash flow as possible. But something that I was told early on is um, invest where you know. Like invest in what you know because at least you can be confident in your decisions or a little bit more confident. Nothing stressed me out more when I was interested in buying in St. John, mm-hmm. New Brunswick. And I had to like use up all my friends' resources to be able to see whether or not that was a good market for me. And then it stressed me out that I didn't have a property manager there. Um, and it stressed me out that I wasn't really sure if I had a contractor there. And that just like, ruined, <laughs> it ruined me because I was like, well, who the tenants going to be? How are they? All these kind of questions. Yet in my markets, I know literally Jonathan, I I've invested in four properties in a less than mile radius. So that's because like, I know that this area makes a lot of money. And I'm just going to keep on picking up properties that go around this area. And that's just my little nugget. Like that's, that's my little area. And I'm going to stay there um, until I start branching out. And that's kind of where, when I bought this property here in Halifax, um, it's a three unit. So it's a a multi-unit that I bought here. And I'm going to start changing the way that it looks and all these kind of crazy things um, to make sure that I can get some great tenants in. And once I get, gain a little bit of confidence in the, in the renovation team and my tenants that I have and the cash flow that this property brings in, then I'm going to start seeing of outside markets as well. Yeah. Or outside of Halifax and in Halifax as well. I want to make sure that this is you know valuable for, for everyone that's listening. So I'm wondering what about the areas that you're investing in make them a good investment or what about it makes it good cash flowing properties like versus as an example, me buying like a, an apartment downtown. There's a simple, there's a simple calculation that you can make to see whether or not this is a good investment and it's called the 1% rule. So all it is, is you take your purchase price. So let's say it's a hundred thousand dollar home. And then you look at the income, the total income that that property would be generating if it were fully rented out. And so let's say that your hundred thousand dollar home were generating a thousand dollars of income. So rent, that would be a 1%, 100 divided by 1,000, right? So the 1% rule basically suggests that that is a good investment. Now, I've been a little bit more um, lucky, I guess, because I've invested in, in these really great markets, but mine have been like over 2%. Um, so, you know, the cash flow on that is pretty good. General cash flow in Ontario, you're looking at somewhere around like $500 a month in cash flow per property. Um, per duplex, sorry, if you're uh, looking at like single families or, or duplex areas. Um, and that's in like the Waterloo and, and um, what's the other area down south by Detroit? Windsor. Yes. Yeah, the Windsor area. So like that's kind of what you're seeing around that area. In, in Atlantic Canada, though, you're seeing 1500 um, cash flow. So like positive, yeah, positive, positive, cash. positive cash flow. This yeah. isn't ma- money you're making in rent. It's money you're making after expenses are paid. After all the expenses are paid, we're talking about after the property manager has been paid, after all the property taxes, mortgage, insurance, um, water, and heat. I'm paying for their heat, water, and electricity, um, and Wi-Fi in some cases. So you know, yeah, it's it's a great place to be. Got it. Okay. Very interesting. Hey, this is exciting, man. 
I'm only going to ask you one more question about real estate. And I'd also love to plug really briefly for anyone that is open-minded and excited about the idea of real estate investing. I'm part of the real, real estate investing Canada group on Facebook as well. I could definitely see how it's very community based. I get the community feel. I'm not being sold on anything. So I really appreciate uh, being able to be there, uh, chime in, learn from, without feeling like there's pressure to buy something. So thank you for that. If anyone's open to participating in the group, it's just a private Facebook group. Is that what it is? It is. Yeah. So you just need to um, apply to be in the group and I'll be there to accept you. So real estate invest in Canada. That's it. On, on Facebook. Got it. Okay, great. And then the last question for you is the same as every single guest on this podcast. It's about opening up anything that's on your heart right now. It's giving you total control. I get to navigate this podcast wherever I like to take it, but this is an opportunity for you to share something that's on your heart. Uh, maybe it's a book you read, a poem you read recently, something that's resonating with you. Leave us with something to marinate with as uh, we, we end the show. I think I've tried to do it as much as possible within this interview, but it's just to know that there are people that have achieved what you're looking to achieve with the same resources that you have. And you just need to try. You, you can't be putting um, higher expectations on yourself than you know, what you're able to achieve. First, hit the first step. Like, just go for that first step, which is ask the question to be helped, or join the Facebook group, or learn from a YouTuber, or whatever you need to do. But just take the first step, and it'll just start building itself. Those, those foundation blocks will start building and then each step. And, you know, you could see me right now as like up here, but in my mind, I'm like still way down here because now at that next level, like I'm seeing friends of mine that are hitting 25 properties, 50 properties, 150 properties. And I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta try to figure out how to do that. And so there's still lots of things that I have to learn. I mean, it's only been 11 months or 10 months since uh, this all started. So I am more than happy to you know, share with others on how I've done it, but I'm also more than willing to share with you guys in the Facebook group, experts that have been doing this for 25 years. Uh, we just recently had a, a person, a one-on-one Q&A um, session with Ricky Cote. He's a multi-unit millionaire. He's selling off his last 101 units. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he laughed, he, like, he thinks 101 is small. So he, he's owned hotels and, and large, massive businesses and then these multi-units like crazy. And he's laughing at the fact that his mere 101 units uh, he's selling as, a, as right now. So I'm laughing at that being like, oh yeah, my five properties that I own, like, wow. But keep in mind, like five properties to me 10 months ago would have been impossible. So just know that it is possible. Reach out to me if you need to. Like, Just ask for a little bit of help. I'm more than happy to share. Um, and the Facebook group is there as well. Like, That's what the whole purpose of this Facebook group is, is to help because there's a lot of mental hurdles that you have to go through in order to achieve all these things. And there's a lot of people in there that are willing to listen and also um, and help you, help you out through those mental hurdles. Fantastic. Appreciate that. So for everyone listening, there is a place you can go if you're excited about the idea. I'm sure there's a bunch of people who are saying, okay, I'm like, I'm ready to take the first step. Uh, one, as you said, one is always better than zero. 
So let's go ahead and take that first step, ask for help. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that are listening as well that are sitting on a stupid amount of cash that are like, why haven't I done anything with this? I'm in a similar place. So I will be reaching out five minutes after I can. <laughs> okay. Uh, I really appreciate the time you being on the show. I'm looking forward to you being the next real estate mogul of Canada. Um, and uh, thanks for being a, a good friend and for contributing to this community. More than happy to man. And I should share with your community while, uh, you know, I'm signing off that I'm, I'm not a mass murderer. I am <laughs> literally just sitting here in, uh, in a construction zone. Um, we're going through huge renovations right now, so there's no power and I'm so sorry. We but didn't like, even address the no lights. No, no we never addressed it, totally but like, forgot. I promise you there are like construction <laughs> stuff all over. There's yeah. Like here I am just, Hey, and why is this guy in the dark? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I apologize for being Batman this whole time. You and I, that's, this is the reason is because you and I had that five minutes before the call where we discussed it and then we just jumped into the recording. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So normal. Yeah. Sorry for everyone that's watching on YouTube. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks buddy. I appreciate the time. All right. Thanks man. I have a great, I had a great one and I appreciate you doing this. This It's a great podcast and great idea. Okay. Ciao man. Ciao.